When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Bigger Pockets Business Podcast, show number 57. I like doing stuff that I spend an intense amount of energy, like drilling an oil well, to create a, a, a gusher, a, a revenue stream. And that's how I look at stuff. And this just happens to be a timely, unique, weird time and culture opportunity. Welcome to a real world MBA from the School of Hard Knocks, where entrepreneurs reveal what it really takes to make it. Whether you're already in business or you're on your way there, this show is for you. This is Bigger Pockets Business. Hey there, everyone. I am Jay Scott. I am your co-host for the Bigger Pockets Business Podcast, and I am here again this week with Mrs. Carol Scott, the amazing, the wonderful, my beautiful and lovely wife. How are you doing today, Carol? That was about the sweetest intro ever. Thank you, honey. Oh my goodness. Listeners, guess what? Today, like as of one hour ago, literally an hour ago, our boys finished online learning for this year. Oh my gosh, there are no words. I'm so excited. We have so many different things going on anyway. And adding that into the mix, I got to tell you, I'm usually pretty good at juggling and making it all happen. But wow, just adding that little last thing on and it wasn't little by any stretch. It was a big deal and it's over and I'm really excited and everyone's happy. So it's a great day. Yeah. And props to uh, everybody out there that voluntarily homeschools your kids. It is not an easy job. That's right. And of course, (laughs) since we're on the topic, And thank you to all the amazing teachers out there. We already appreciated you tremendously, but these past couple months have made you even more of rock stars. So thank you. Okay. Absolutely. Enough, enough. Let's get to the show. Yeah, let's get, we have an awesome show today. We've got Tim Shiner with us. Tim is, he's a Renaissance man. He has patents. He has businesses. uh, He's written books. Um, He does, he's a big real estate investor. And he is going to talk to us about all of that stuff. But the really, really cool thing that I think a lot of you are going to want to hear about is that Tim, as of just last week, has signed for exclusive marketing rights for the Tiger King franchise and Joe Exotic. So for any of you that have seen Tiger King on Netflix, are familiar with uh, Joe Exotic, this is a really cool episode because Tim walks us through how it came about that he was able to get the marketing, the licensing rights for Tiger King and how it all works and how he plans to make hopefully a whole lot of money doing it. So I'm just going to leave it at that. And we're going to jump into this episode. If you want to learn more about Tim, if you want to learn more about what Tim has done or is doing, check out our show notes 
at biggerpockets.com slash bizshow57. Again, that's biggerpockets.com slash bizshow57. Okay, before we jump in, let's hear a quick word from our sponsors. If you're like me, you know that cash flow is king. The most successful investors put their money in markets where the numbers make sense. But finding great cash flowing deals that don't require all your time to find, renovate, rent, and manage isn't easy. And that's where Rent to Retirement comes in. Rent to Retirement offers fully turnkey properties that are already renovated, leased, and managed, allowing you to invest with confidence out of state. They offer both single family and multifamily in multiple markets that maximize cash flow, appreciation, and equity. They have a network of lenders to assist with all forms of financing, including self-directed IRA loans. Call Rent to Retirement today to start receiving passive income and take control of your financial future. There's no excuse not to get started in real estate investing when you have the right team and the systems already in place. Rent to Retirement is your partner in achieving financial freedom and long-term wealth through real estate investing. Visit renttoretirement.com. That's rent, T-O, retirement.com. Or call 307-421-4049. That's 307-421-4049 to learn more about how you can get started investing in some of the best cash flow markets today. Today's episode is brought to you by our partners at Pat Live. Look, as a seasoned real estate investor, I understand that every phone call from a motivated seller is worth potentially tens of thousands of dollars in my pocket. So I want every single phone call answered and answered professionally. And that's what Pat Live does. Pat Live offers 24 7 live answering services so you can spend less time on the phone and more time growing your real estate business. And you never have to worry about missing a call. Pat Live is available to answer your calls 365 days a year. Their virtual receptionists are all located in the US and provide all the benefits of a personal receptionist at a fraction of the cost. They offer fully customizable scripts and call handling experiences to fit your business needs. They offer everything from message taking, call screening and transfers, to lead collection, appointment scheduling, order processing, and more. And now, for a limited time only, Pat Live is offering listeners of this podcast 15% off their regularly listed rates. Visit try.patlive.com biggerpockets to get started with a 14-day free trial and lock in this limited time offer. Again, that's try.patlive.com biggerpockets. Thanks so much to our awesome sponsors. Okay, now let's jump into this great episode with Tim Shiner. Okay, everybody, welcome to the show, Tim Shiner. Tim, it is so great to have you today. Or should we say welcome to the jungle? Welcome <laughs> to the jungle. <laughs> How's it going, Tim? Oh my God, we're going to have a fun show. I am so looking forward to this. So uh, you and I are like kindred spirits, although you've done it so much better than I have. I have people constantly asking me like, uh, we own lots of businesses. We have lots of revenue streams, um, everything from like real estate to we own racehorses. And then I look at your bio and your bio is kind of like, you make us look like just uh, it, it you just blow us like out of the we're water. Lazy and just hang out and go to the spa all day. That's yeah, kind of, that's yeah. kind of where well, we're I, at. I always say, if I was good at one thing, I wouldn't have to do so many other things. <laughs> <laughs> 
you have multiple businesses. Um, you have a bunch of patents. You've written several books. Uh, you do real estate investing. In fact, you were a guest on the Bigger Pockets Real Estate Podcast a year or two ago. Episode, I believe it was 221. So everybody go back and check out that because, uh, I mean, the stuff you're doing with your real estate is awesome. You do a ton of philanthropy. And something that we're going to talk about uh, later in this episode, I want to talk about your multiple streams of income, but something that we need to spend some time talking about later in the episode is you've recently, from what I've heard, acquired the rights, exclusive rights to Tiger King. Is that correct? To Tiger King and Joe Exotic. <laughs> I've got uh, 22 uh, channels that I'm allowed to uh, have exclusive rights from t-shirts to weed to uh, to some uh, moisturizing stuff when you're intimate. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is so, fascinating this, on this, so many levels. Th this is going to be awesome. <laughs> and we're going to get to that. I want to talk a whole lot about that. But first, I, there, there's just your whole story is fascinating. Your multiple streams of income is fascinating. How you do it all is fascinating. So let's kind of start at the beginning. Can you take us back? And where did your where did your whole entrepreneurship journey start? Uh, to me, is started when I was a little kid. Uh, to me, money means freedom. If you didn't know me, you'd think, okay, cars, houses, you know, all this stuff. But money, at the end of the day, allows freedom. You know, uh, our, our favorite restaurant just opened up last night for the first day, uh, Papa Steakhouse in Dallas, Texas. Fantastic. And so, Crystal, my wife, and I walked in there, and we handed two thousand cash and said, "Divide it up amongst everyone that's here: the, the back house, the cooks, the waiters, the waitresses, whoever." You know, and it's just if you don't have money, you can't do something like that. And, and talk about coming out of the gate strong like that. So, I've always been a, a scrappy kid. My mom joked that I'm the only kid that could go to the store and come home with with money and stuff, you know, legally, you know. <laughs> uh, so it's just, I, I read a great book on Sam Zell. He's top 150 richest people in the world. He's out of Chicago. He's a real estate guy, commercial real estate guy. And what he calls himself is a professional opportunist. And I'm like, you know what, I'm going to hijack that because, you know, you know, we alluded to the Tiger King thing, but did I wake up one day and think, hey, I want to be part of this thing? No, but I'm a professional opportunist and the opportunities there. And it makes sense because it works with some other things that I have going on with revenue streams. So it's always been there. You know, I was in corporate America for a little while, uh, long enough to realize I didn't want to be there. I was a, a sales guy for, for Honeywell. And uh, about 21 years ago, I started my own business. And we talked about a little bit off air, but the business I have is a, a rep firm repping security equipment in the alarm industry, but it's not a sellable business because it's typically the owner that is has the relationships and then you've got a bunch of salespeople. So, so that's how I got into real estate. I started taking the profits from that business and parlaying it into high-end single-family residences. And then, you know, Carol and, uh, and I talked about a little bit, but then from there, we allow our renters to leave by tearing up the lease and buying a house from my wife. Not our house, but another house. And we talk about that on Bigger Pockets 221. But my point is, most people are like, oh, I'm just going to be a landlord and I can't do anything else. Or, oh, I'm too busy to own real estate. Well, I believe you can do it all. So we got this rep firm that's throwing off cash. We bought 23 high-end rent houses, but then we realized people were leaving because they have 750 beacon scores and they shouldn't have been a renter. So instead of boo-hooing about it, we're like, how can we 
be an opportunist and how can we make a revenue stream from that? And so we actively promote every holiday. They get some gift on the doorstep and actively promote. If you buy from me, you can tear up your lease for free. So that's, uh, you know, a stream within a stream. And that's just, you know, kind of like, what's that movie where the, where, where Haley Osmond sees dead people or whatever. I see revenue streams. (laughs) (laughs) I know you, I know you and Carol do too. Yeah. And it's funny because I often use that exact same term. I call myself an opportunist and it's, it's, one of those things that if you open yourself up to opportunities, if you don't put blinders on too many people, kind of, they say, this is what I am. I'm a real estate investor, or I am a restaurateur, or I'm an author or whatever it is. And they kind of put that those blinders on and then you miss opportunities. And I like to tell people, don't call yourself a real estate investor, call yourself an entrepreneur, call yourself a business owner, because just by using that that broader vocabulary, you get more opportunities to come in. People here, he's an entrepreneur. Great. I'm not just going to talk to him about real estate. I'm going to talk to him about uh, businesses. I'm going to talk to him about patents. I'm going to talk to him about books. And when people think of you as kind of a, a broader business person and, and entrepreneur, those opportunities just kind of uh, come into your life. I loved how you said you walked into a restaurant yesterday and you just started throwing mm-hmm. cash around. Yep. A lot of us think that, I, I mean, I'm sure there are people out there that will listen to that and say, oh, he's just trying to be a big shop, blah, 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 blah. Yep. But but I've heard your story. I know your story. And it's different. So I, I, I'm going to guess there are kind of two goals here. One, you like to help people. I, I mean, I just look, look at your background. It's in my DNA. Yeah. And and the other thing is, there's also a benefit to you. Let's not lie. We, nobody does anything just for the altruistic factor. There's a benefit there. People are going to remember you. People are going sure. to think positively about you. And it's going to help you build your brand. It's going to help you in the future. Is that right? It is. But I've done every crappy job in a restaurant. I mean, I've been yep. a cook, a busboy, an expediter, a waiter, a bartender. So, you know, I'm sure a lot of people understand that they make very few dollars, waiters and bartenders, hourly, they rely on tips. And then the other thing is I just like the karma of it all. I mean, who knows? Let's say that, let's say there's 50 people and they each got 40 bucks or 40 people and they each got 50 bucks. Who knows what that's going to do? Is it a bouquet of flowers for someone's wife or girlfriend? Is it, is it, you know, buying, buying a kid something? Is it paying a bill? You know, I mean, is it, is it, oh my God, I barely had enough gas to get to work. I don't know, but I love the the energy of that. I mean, I just, I mean, you throw that out there. Absolutely. And it inspires those people to do it. And it that positive karma just travels farther than totally. you ever imagined. So that $2,000 stretched much farther than even that original. That's actually the second restaurant we've done it to. So That's really that, cool. That was, yeah, we did it to another place uh, that opened up sooner. So, but back to what you were saying, Jay, like I've got this, like when I try to explain people what I do, I feel like I'm on an episode of American Greed because I can't give them a straight answer, (laughs) but it's just, it's just because there's so many different ones. So I got this metal business card. I know most of the people are listening on audio, but it has my name and phone number on the one side and on the back, it has everything that I'm currently into, which, you know, this is already obsolete. And, uh, and, and so, to your point, people with that metal business card, they're going to keep it, they're going to remember it, and they're going to realize this guy's more than just the uh, the alarm security rep dude, which I don't even understand what that really means, and uh, a real estate investor. And plus, I mean, I know you, you guys were pro- prolific flippers. Everyone just assumes that you're flipping houses when you say you're a real estate investor. Totally so yes. I like spend the next seven minutes explaining what I'm doing. And then, you know, the reason why I'm on these real estate podcasts is I'm the antichrist because I'm not buying a piece of crap house and making a hundred dollar positive. I might be negative, but I'm banking on appreciation. So then they're like, oh, he's a river broke gambler. He's a loose cannon, you know, he's bubble mentality. So 
So then I get to fight all that. But, you know, I think you probably saw it. I think it was yesterday or the day before. It showed that the median house price in America went up 7%. Well, if you happen to have 13 or $14 million worth of that, which is roughly what I have, that means you just made a million dollars passively. Yep. So whether I made 100 bucks positive on a house or not, it doesn't matter. I mean, everything's positive now, but in the beginning it wasn't. But, you know, what I always say, and I think you guys would agree on real estate, there's a zillion ways to play it. And I don't begrudge anyone for doing any which way. I just know the way that works best for my personality. That's awesome. Okay. So let's go back a little bit. So you were growing up and you knew you wanted to kind of do your own thing. And so Mm -hmm. tell us about like that first business you started and how you got started and what led you in that direction and, and kind of give us the origin story of Tim Shiner. Well, some parent's son invented a pacemaker or or some stint or something great to save lives. I invented a koozie to keep people's beer cold on a golf course. (laughs) So, so, so the, to the smart people, mom that can brag at a cocktail party, what their son invented, I invented a koozie. So, uh, you know, I know most people are, are, are listening, but basically the to go cup shape that's tapered at the bottom a long, long time ago, koozies were big and foam and wouldn't fit in a boat or a golf cart holder or anything like that. And so I was golfing in Texas and it was really hot and the beer car girl was like, excuse me, I'm not gonna be back for three or four holes. Uh, and so she made this rigged up contraction to ice down another beer while we had a beer. And my thought, that's my my cue, my go-to. When I see something rigged up, I'm like, one of two things. There's a solution I don't know about or there's not a solution. So that's how I look at things when, when it's rigged up. Instead of saying, man, this is rigged up, I'm like, either I don't know about it or or there's nothing. And so then I was paralyzed by the fact of what do I do now? I've got this idea in my mind. And then I was in San Antonio on a sales call and I stopped by a 7-Eleven afterwards and I saw the first to-go cup uh, in 7-Eleven with the tapered bottom. And I'm like, oh my God, you know, I'm like procrastinated this idea, lived in my head like a lot of us that have ideas for a year and a half. And now I'm like, I gotta get going. So I was selling glass break detectors in the security industry. And there's a gentleman that invented it and he made a lot of money off royalties of me selling it. His name is Al Yarbrough. So I go to Al and Al's kind of like MacGyver. Al can do anything. I mean, if you're stuck on an island, you want you want Al to be there because he can get you off. So that sounded bad, he can get you off the island. <laughs> Holy cow. I mean, just kind of foreshadowing the exotic Joe scenario. <laughs> I, I can't, that's Spoiler a little alert. teaser there. <laughs> so, uh, so, and if you're wondering if I've called Carol Scott, Carol Scott Baskin yet, yes, I did have uh, off the air. Many times, many times. <laughs> Carol Scott Baskin. <laughs> so, but anyway, I go to Al and I said, hey, Al, I got this idea. And Al's like, oh, I can do that. And he's real soft-spoken. Yeah, I can get that done. Okay, yeah. And uh, he lives about an hour away from me uh, on the on a lake. And uh, I said, okay, um, well, when, when do you think it'd be done? Oh, well, come back here next Saturday about the same same time. And sure enough, the first prototype he made was as good as any. It's it's basically, if you ever see a, a boat keychain, it's that switchy. Yeah. So basically, he made a regular koozie, cut a foam bottom, dipped it so that it looked like it was one piece, and that was the first cart coolie. And that kind of got me going. While I was a sales guy making good money, that was my side business. And what I realized is now you you can write off cars, and meals, and trips. And, and all of a sudden, instantly, by having a side business, my lifestyle went really up, up fast. When, when I hear people that have wife and kids and stuff that want to quit a job and start a business from nothing, I'm like, you know, tap the brakes, build something on the side. It takes a little while for it to grow. And then and because I consider myself a good sales guy, people kept asking me to do shirts, hats. And because I was such a great sales guy, I kept telling them no for about three years and missed all that revenue because I wanted to sell this obscure unicorn of a product, this koozie, the cart coolie. 
And so finally I wised up and started selling all the promo stuff and, and, uh, and just it blew up into a thing called Go Logo, which is a large promotional products business. And because I have a large promotional products business, when my attorney that's representing Exotic Joe, Joe Exotic, I always get that backwards. Joe Exotic had a contract go across his desk. It'd be three weeks ago today that, that they wanted to do promotional products. They remembered, like Jay and Carol said, hey, wait a minute, Tim owns a promo company. He owns a lot of different companies. They called me up and said, hey man, are you interested in taking on the promo piece of it? And so then it took, wow. it took two weeks. We inked the contract last Friday. And, uh, and then I was on a bus to Washington, D.C., the, the Free Joe bus uh, Monday morning and took my 18-year-old son, who's a senior in high school, but since school is COVIDed out, um, he got to see that. And what he said, and he, he's, he owns a social media business and he's a little entrepreneur and his goal is to be a millionaire by the time he's 23. He's worth about 200 grand at 18. He's a sharp kid. But I said, hey, what did you get out of all this? He goes, that things could get big really, really fast. And it just opened up his mind to how, and he's a big thinker. It opened up his mind to how big stuff can be. So that was kind of cool. I, can, can I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt Carol, but I, I really okay. want to say one thing because I think this is really important. So you, you mentioned earlier, and I have the same problem. People ask you what you do and you don't know what to say. Am I a business <laughs> owner, an entrepreneur, a real estate investor, whatever. But you've described yourself a couple times as a sales guy. And what I find oh. is a lot of people who kind of do a lot of different things. They they do, I, I don't know if you want to call them side hustles or just multiple businesses or multiple revenue streams. A lot of the people that do that most successfully are really, really good at sales. Would you agree with that? And 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 what have you done to kind of hone your sales skills? Well, if you think about it, we're talking about revenue streams. Well, how do you create revenue? Something's got to be sold. You, you know what I mean? So I was a really lousy sales guy. I was a good bartender. And so I thought if I hustled and had some good gab that I could be a good sales guy. And I didn't realize the old adage, you have two ears and one mouth, use them accordingly. And then I learned the key of asking questions. And, and, uh, and I, I, you know, I always say that the most valuable investment you have is in yourself. So the podcast, the books, the people you surround yourself with. And, and I've constantly invested uh, and still do to this day. I mean, school's never out in trying to learn and, and trying to be better. You know, I read a book about the difference between a fact and an opinion. And, and that's about five years ago. And now every time I listen to something, I think, is that an opinion or a fact? You'd be amazed at how many things you just take as fact that are strictly an opinion. And so just stuff like that, like that, that's a key component. Uh, I went to Karis Negotiation School about 12 years ago. And I'm like, I'm, I wish I would have done it 32 years ago because it, you had to role play the other side. I've always been a sales guy. I didn't realize the pressure of a buyer and what, where they, they give you scenarios like this buyer will, will get fired if they don't close the deal or this buyer last, last bought something and it cost the company a fortune. So you had to play all these different roles. And I think one of the key things in life is empathy and seeing it from the other person's point of view. And so I think that, that being a good sales guy is bringing value before you ask for money. And, 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 and empathy, trying to understand what they need out of the deal. Great. So bringing value and empathy are two of the big keys there and two skills that we should always be working on no matter what our business is and how many different streams of income we're trying to produce. It's awesome. 
Yeah, I love it. Okay, so uh, we're gonna get to the the, the Joe Exotic, but uh, there's All still right. there's still more of your story that's just so good. So you've invented something. You were a bartender. You started a security business, or at least uh, selling to security businesses. You have written a couple books. How do you? I get that. Like you like to do a lot of things. You like the multiple revenue streams. It's important. But the question I always get, so I want to ask you, is how do you handle it? How do you do time management? How do you handle having multiple business? multiple patents, multiple everything. Uh, so I, I feel like you can put it, pretty much put people in one of two camps. You either get energized by having a lot going on or you get overwhelmed. And if you're an overwhelmed person, then this probably isn't going to work, you know, the multiple streams. But real estate still could work because it's, it's passive. But I get energized and I gain energy throughout the day. I mean, I just, you know, uh, having all this, like like being on a call two seconds before this call about a guy in Washington State on on the CBC. I don't know how to say it right. The CBC oil. Um, CBC. Try, yeah, to try to license it, uh, Joe Joe Exotic and Tiger King. Like like I'm like I had seven minutes before we we're going to start. I'm like, man, do I have time for this call? I jumped on it. I'm glad I did. I, now I know my next step with this person. And, and now we're doing a podcast. Someone else might go, you know what? I better make sure everything's set for this podcast. That's the most important thing today. And it is super important. But I'm like, if I could sneak in that one little thing, that one last thing, the one more thing. And then I got another thing I always think about. If I don't have time to do it now, when will I? So, um, and you know, I wrote in my book and I'm a huge Rush fan, which makes me a dork um, and makes, makes me a, a chick repellent because girls hate Rush. Carol, Rush is a Canadian band. Oh, Carol, Carol knows Rush oh, I'm dying because, because she's married to a huge Rush fan. Oh, yeah. There I'm, you like, go. I'm sitting back. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm listening to my husband. This is well, crazy time. Here's what's funny, Jay. I got the perfect follow-up gift and I'll get back to the line in Rush. But, but when Neil passed, I was just devastated. So I, I made a bunch of t-shirts with the Canadian flag, two drumsticks, and with a knuckle that had tattooed purt on it with the 2112 star on the back of it. And all I did, I had about 50 of these. All I did is kept it in the back of my car. And whenever I'd run into someone who's a Rush fan, I'd just give it to him. You think I'd give him a million bucks. So I, that's my follow-up gift to you. But if you remember in the, in the song Free Will, and, and I was very young, I was probably 15 when I heard this song, there's a line that goes, if you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. And so I think about it all the time. These people are like, oh, well, you know, I'll get to it, or oh, I'm not going to do it, or I'm going to start real estate investing later, or what. Don't, don't kid yourself. You just chose not to do it. I... I <laughs> <laughs> we we are kindred souls. <laughs> so I love funny. that. And I love the fact that you, you said to yourself, I'm going to create this thing and I'm just going to give value to people. I meet a Rush fan. Here you go. Take it. I'm not yep. asking for anything in return. I'm just providing value. And you saw an opportunity, a niche. And it, it's kind of like, and I, I often use the term, you like to plant seeds. And it's kind of, if you plant a hundred seeds every day, Six months from now, even if one or two of them take hold, there's a couple new revenue streams. There's a couple new relationships. Yep. There's a couple new partnerships, whatever it is. And so constantly planting seeds. And, and again, not saying I'm just going to plant seeds in the real estate world. I'm going to plant seeds everywhere because that's where the new opportunities come from. Absolutely love that. Totally. And I want to piggyback on that a little bit and just mention, I think your choice of language around the fact that you're a professional opportunist is so powerful in that 
for exactly that reason, right? Because when you talk about that, people, like you said, they start talking to you about their ideas, about those things that have been sitting in the back of their mind that they haven't necessarily jumped on and figured out a way to do it. And then once again, that gives you an opportunity to partner with them to see where another stream of revenue might come from. So it really is all about putting that karma out there, putting that energy out there so that it all comes back to full circle. Exactly. It's, you know, I I look at, at this stage, I'm 54. At this stage of my life, I'm I'm like, I want to spend my time mentoring someone. Because and we're in a group called Biz Owners Ed, which is just amazing, and we we help a lot of business owners. But if you mentor someone, that's the gift that keeps on giving. If they can take a couple of things, so that's that's worthy of your time because you created a stream, um, you know, down the road. Like uh, my screen printer, Josh Randall, he came down to Dallas about 10 years ago, and he's a hard worker. You know, his hair's on fire. And I said, hey, man, you're going to be 40 one way or the other. You can either be 40 with a bunch of rentals or you can be 40 without a bunch of rentals. And now he has over 100 doors. And now his son, Josh, uh, Joshy, he's 12 years old. He'll be 13 in a couple of days. So I, I had options on Caesar's Palace because Carl Icahn started taking a big stake in it. And I just had a feeling it was going to get bought out. It's just everything lined up because he owned uh, the Tropicana before that. He likes the casino space. So I I made a bunch of money on Caesar's Palace options. And so I took 100 of that and bought a Ferrari. But I also gave Joshy four grand. And so Joshy was like, I'm going to buy a house. And I said, you know what, Joshy? That's awesome. But at your age, I think you're better off flipping one. So he's in the middle of flipping one. We, we were filming everything. We're going to we're gonna call it Flip 13. Went, we might have to call it Flip 13, 14 by the time we're done. But but what happened was, you know, the kids at school, because his dad does this, this we're starting to hate on him. Go, oh, that's just your daddy, da, da, da. And so I, I had Josh call me. I called Josh and said, are the kids at school giving him a hard time? Because I just kind of sensed it. He goes, yeah. I said, okay, good. Have Josh, you call me. And so so we recorded it where I gave him the four. He already had the four grand. But I said, Joshy, I said, I'll loan you up to 40000 I said, I want no interest, but I want 10% of whatever the profit is. And that way he had a recording to go to the, the kids in school and tell them, quote, unquote, to suck it <laughs> is what he told them when he played the thing. But you know what it is, is is now he's been working on it and and he's doing it with his dad. It's real. He's going to make probably 20 to 30 grand on this flip out of four grand. But the four grand came because I call him my good luck charm. Like when I bet on football games and stuff, I'll cut him in on stuff. I call him my, my, my good luck charm. And so the fact that now Joshy understood stock, now he understands stock options, which a lot of people don't even understand options, but they understand stock. Now he got some money. Uh, he was going to do a long-term thing like his dad and I do, but it's just buy and hold. But instead, we said, why don't you flip it? Because you can turn four into, let's call it 20, 25,000. So God knows what he's going to do with that. And God knows what the lessons he's going to learn from this. So I'm, I'm just thrilled. And that's that's huge at this age is just try to help the next generation. That's cool. Absolutely. Let me ask you a question. What, do you, what are your thoughts on partners and partnerships? Because I know that, that that can be a polarizing question. But for somebody like you who who has all these things going on, where do partners fit in, if at all? It's funny because, you know, my wife and I, Crystal, and I talk about it, that we're not we're not good with partners typically because, you know, I got a, an, old, an 80-year-old friend that goes, hey, partnerships are great as long as you know you're going to have to do 70% of the work. <laughs> That's like his little saying. So if you're going to go into a partnership, just, just do it. The other thing, I catch people all the time going, hey, my partner and I, we're going to buy our first house. I'm like, hey, don't kid yourself. You now own half a house and you own half a house with your buddy and his wife. And maybe the, the, they get divorced, the new wife that you've not met and he hasn't met. So you, you kind of got to look out for it. But I will say on this Tiger King thing, I, I did grab someone, uh, uh, 
Tyler and Lisa uh, Anderson, I grabbed them because they are better at social media than I am. And where we where we live, their neighborhood has the CEO of Denny's, 7-Eleven, Yum Brands, and someone that has the Halloween, one of the biggest Halloween costume. So he has better relationships with those people than me. And I wanted him to have a vested interest in it. So where I say grab partners is if there's something you're lacking, whether it's equity, then you need a partner. Expertise, then you need a partner. So I don't have a problem with it. Most people probably have a better personality for partners than me. So I, I just, I just, I'm a do it type of guy and I do it and ask for forgiveness later type of guy. So I'm probably not the best guy to be a partner with, but in this instance, they had something. And quite frankly, Tyler, if I tried to cut him out of this thing, he's so on the Tiger King, he would be, he'd, he'd, he'd be sleeping on my front porch. I mean, there's no way I could leave him out of it. But the other thing he brought to him is, you know, we're in talks with Barstool Sports and they, a couple times this year, they've had 1 billion views on something that they've created. That's massive. And so because he's addicted to bar stools and he's younger than me, it's right in his demographic. And sure enough, we you know had a call with the, the licensing guy from Barstool yesterday. And, and what was interesting about him is he worked for uh, uh, Damon John and FUBU when it was nothing for 21 years. He's been with Barstool for nine months. So that's pretty cool. That came out yep. of this. Um, I'm having a call after this. I mean... I mean, Jay and Carol, you're, you're number one, but I'm having a call after this with the marketing manager for Dirk Bentley and Luke Bryant uh, because they're, they've got the rights to a, a six series of all the footage on Joe Exotic. When it was Joe Exotic TV, they're retaking that tape that JT Barrett has and creating a whole thing on that. So, I mean, that's crazy. So fun. Okay, so so so, so, so let let let's officially let's dig in. Yeah, let's Come officially on, let's, dig let's in. officially get into this. So, um, for anybody out there that's been living under a rock for the last couple months, can you tell us what is Tiger King? Okay, hey, there's probably <laughs> listeners know better than me. I watched it like everybody else, but but we've got this exotic homosexual cowboy with a gun with a mullet in Oklahoma that raised exotic cats, and then he had a feud with. Carol Scott Baskin. Carol no, Scott Baskin. Carol Baskin. <laughs> Hello there, all your cool cats and kittens. <laughs> there you go. Down in Florida. And then you got a riff, and trust me, I love animals as much as anybody. Then you got a riff between Carol Baskin of Florida, who allegedly maybe might have lost her husband somewhere forever. Uh, I don't know how to say that without getting sued. And so our whole thing is we're focusing on the Joe gear. We've got the rights to uh, Joe's likeness, Joe Exotic. And Tiger King, we got the right, the rights to all of that, and so you got just this crazy thing. It was Netflix' number one show for a while until some people got on a, on a thing and weren't allowed to have sex, and then that thing went to number one, <laughs> whatever that show was that dethroned the Tiger King. But so I just view it as I've got this promotional business, and maybe Joe is seven minutes and his fifteen minutes of fame, but then you know Nicolas Cage just signed on to a Ron Howard movie where they're going to do his Joe Exotic movie. Those two pretty big names. So maybe we'll, maybe this thing will have legs. I don't know. But I look at it uh, and, and how all uh, uh, opportunists should look at it. I look at th this is my Trojan horse. Would Barstool Sports take my phone call if I said I wanted to print them T-shirts? Probably not, right? Would Denny's, would 7-Eleven, would all these people? Probably not. So you've got this unicorn of a thing at a moment in time. So you use that to get give them a new revenue and hopefully 
we'll do like we always do and provide such great service, such great value that after this is done, that hopefully for decades later, we can have business with whoever the Joe Exotic gives us an introduction to. Okay. But I I need to know, how did this come about? Like, how did you get involved? You mentioned that like you control certain, and and for all the people out there that don't understand how licensing works, Mm -hmm. you mentioned that you can, you control certain marketing streams or certain types of products. What was, what was the backstory? Like, let's say I want to, I want to do something like this. Where do I start? I think you got to be really nice to a lot of people for a long time and not realize where it's going to come back to you. Um, because, you know, what, what, one of my long-term friends is, uh, for 30 years is, uh, like, like he's the exact opposite of me. He's such a wonderful person compared to me. Uh, he doesn't <laughs> drink, doesn't do anything right, wrong, uh, 56 year old, a, a nice attorney. Like he'll, like, if you come to him with something and it's not in your best interest, he's just like, you know what? You're better off not doing this. I mean, most people would take the money. He's just a great human being. And so he's always in shape and he's played, played soccer with this guy named uh, uh, Fran, Francisco. And Fran is the guy that's on Hannity, that he's an immigration attorney that like literally will say anything to get people going bonkers. And so so Francisco Hernandez, so he'll come, go on Hannity and go, all right, we need to give all illegal aliens $100,000 and pay for their kids' college and just watch everything <laughs> blow up. He does it on purpose, you know what I mean? So then we got a guy named Eric Love, AKA Big Juicy. And he's this bigger than life Texas guy wearing Texas shirts, ripped off sleeves, tatted up, sweetest guy you ever want to meet. But like, if you judge book by the cover, there's no way this guy and I are going to get along. But we are fast friends. And so what he used to be was an investigator in the private security. He was private security for Warren Buffett. And when he resigned from Warren, you would, but go online, look it up. But but when Warren Buffett was a, uh, when he finally had his last day, Buffett goes, hey, in front of a big group, what can I'm going to grant you one wish. What do you want? And so what Eric Love, Big Juicy, asked for was Warren Buffett's wallet. Not the money in it, not anything. So Warren Buffett took the $5 cash that he had in it, his black Amex, his voter card, his ID, and his American Express. Oh, sorry, black Amex, sorry, said it. And gave Eric the wallet. And what Eric said, and he didn't know, this he's put on spot, he's in front of two or three hundred people. What what Eric Love said was, I just like the energy of having the wallet of one of the richest men in the world. How cool is that? So awesome. so uh we'll call him Big Juicy. So Big Juicy comes over for breakfast. He's a, he gets up way early. So I cook him breakfast at 7.30. He comes over, we meet each other, and we realize that, that you know, Fran vouched for me, Jim vouched for me. He's like, you're my guy. And so then we wrote up a contract. We gave, uh, we gave them money and uh, Joe's husband, Dylan, and Joe get a piece of the proceeds. Assigned an NDA, I can't tell you, but they get a handsome chunk Joe, of Joe whatever Exotic we create. And his husband get a piece yeah, of, of the yeah. proceeds. So, yeah, did, so, so is that who you bought the rights from? You bought mm-hmm. it from Joe Exotic. So he owned the rights to. He hadn't already sold it to somebody else. He hasn't. He he owns the rights to himself and his likeness. And so I I, I wrote an initial check, and then there's a revenue share in perpetuity. I have 22 streams that I thought I'd be good at, but also wrote it to be fair, that if I don't create any money from that by November 1st, that that right reverts back to him. I don't want to squat on something that I'm not performing. And I'm the one that put that in there because I don't think it's fair. But I also have the right to have first right of refusal on any new stream. 
So, and, and so, how did you, well, so, so just for the people that don't know that haven't watched the show, Joe Exotic is sitting in prison right now because yes. um, alleged or actually he was convicted of plotting a hit that didn't go through on somebody, Carol Baskin. And so did you how did you negotiate with him sitting in prison? So here's the thing. He's in, in uh, the Tarrant County prison right over here. That's the, the county that Fort Worth, Texas is in. And they're on lockdown because uh, about 50 percent of the prison has has uh, COVID. And, and then Joe's in isolation, which has probably been a godsend because so he won't catch it. So he signed over the power of attorney to Eric Love. So what I have on my contract is the old power attorney, a, a lady by the name of Ann out of the Northeast, Eric Love, Dylan Passage and Joe. And so, so we had, we docu-signed everything except for Joe. It had to be uh, delivered to the prison and then delivered back out. Got it. Okay. So that's how that went down. And trust me, I mean, I'm not trying to act like an expert about all this. I mean, I'm learning it as I go, but you know, like anything, you just work real hard and you try to be fair and see their side and then, and then see your side and, you know, you can put a deal together. Well, I've got to admit, I was kind of waiting there for you to tell me that somehow you convinced a guard or somebody at the front gate of whatever isolation situation that Joe Exotic is sitting in to go visit him during this COVID crisis. And I, my mind was completely You know blown, what? That's yeah, that's for the crazy. charming Francisco Hernandez. This guy, <laughs> God almighty. If you ever if you ever meet him, Jay, don't don't leave Carol in the room alone with him. This guy's suave. <laughs> so he can get about anything done. But uh but yeah, he he visits with Joe. The other thing that I will say is Joe writes every single person back. So if you send him a letter, he's going to write on the back of your letter a message back, but he's limited to $10 postage uh, a week. So, uh, you know, if you send a self-addressed envelope, it makes it a little bit easier. So that's kind of cool that that he does that. So he's that's all he's got. The other thing I'll say that people don't realize, Joe has no clue how big this is. He hasn't seen any of it. He's been locked up and hasn't seen any of it. So everyone's trying to explain to him how huge this is. No clue. So you got a guy that kind of likes the limelight and the time that he got the most of it, he, he doesn't even doesn't even know. You know, he knows, but he can't comprehend. That's crazy. So, well, let me ask you a question. So you promised him a, a cut of the profits or a mm-hmm. cut of the revenue. Uh, does that mean that basically this deal was done with no money out of your own pocket? No, I wrote a check. Okay. So you did write a check. A check. Got yeah. it. Okay. And uh, I, I'm, I'm not even going to ask how much. I know that's probably... You know, you know, I signed an NDA on the financial terms. Got it. But it, it was sizable, but it wasn't astronomical. Got that's it. what I'll say. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Okay. And, and so you mentioned you have the rights to 22, is it marketing streams or yeah. how do you refer I, I, to that? Yeah. I wrote things like, like you know, I, I want to visit with the tipsy elf people. I want Joe sweaters. I got uh, Halloween costumes. I got pet costumes, some sexual stuff. Uh, <laughs> we'll leave that at that in case there's young kids listening. Won't make them wear earmuffs. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, uh, what else? T-shirts, uh, cutout likeness, uh, alcohol, uh, weed, oil. I don't know. A, a bunch of stuff. But like so per- fun. Per- perfect example. I, I wanted... I woke up with like slot machines, ding, 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 ding. And then, uh, you know, called my old roommate is, uh, works at a big casino in Vegas. And, and uh, he had a meeting for me. But what I didn't realize is the Nevada Gaming Commission has to approve any slot machine, whether it's Wheel of Fortune or whatever. And they're like, they're not going to approve a convicted person 
like this in a casino. So, so, but it was a great idea. It wasn't in my original deal, but like I said, I have the ability to go in because at the end of the day, they want someone to go out there and shake the trees and make some money for them. And so to add another thing, as long as I'm performing, I don't see that not happening. So what's the plan? Like, so now you have the rights. I mean, this is, this could be like the biggest thing you've ever done. Anybody's ever done, but you got to make it work before November 1st. What's the plan? Oh, we're already selling t-shirts. We already have a web store. Uh, I had a bunch of uh, uh, cannabis calls yesterday in the Western states where it's legal. Uh, like I said, we got Barstool Sports. Um, Are you uh, reaching call. out to all these people? Or are they reaching out to you? Do people like n- somehow know that you have the rights? Or is it- no, because I'm, I'm kind of keeping it quiet because at the end of the day, my main thing is my security business. And, but I do have salespeople on the on the T-shirt side. We have 15 inside salespeople that are telemarketing Spencers and the and, and uh, you know a friend of mine does the spirit shops that pop up. Everybody does all their security, so we have phone call into them. But then uh, the you know my buddy that does Luke Bryant, he is friends with the spirit shop people too. So so things are happening really fast. But yeah, it's just every every single day is just nonstop. I mean, it's just call after call after call and. But you got to also realize I've only had the rights for seven days now. It'd be seven oh, okay. days today. So, wow. uh, you know, when I was on the bus, you know, it was going crazy on, on, on calls. So it's... Um, Wait a second, you know, the bus. I, yeah, what, uh, what's, what's this bus deal about? Okay. I keep hearing the bus, the bus. Tell so, us about the bus. So because Big Juicy is just over the top <laughs> Texas, and I really honestly think, here's the prediction, that, that Netflix will do um, a series on him. And there, and Dylan was at my partner's house and Netflix had a crew because Dylan does have a deal already with Netflix to do a series. So Tyler, who was riding to DC with me, we dropped him off at Nashville so he'd fly back home to meet the Netflix people on that. So this bus is the largest bus on US soil. And then Big Juicy's friend happens to know how to wrap buses and make signs. And so we got this big, Please, Donald Trump, pardon Joe Exotic. And on the back of the bus, it's like a pontoon boat, like this open air area. You know what I mean? Like, so we're hanging out, you know, driving down, you know, driving from Fort Worth to uh, Washington, D.C. Truckers are honking. I joke that we either got five five fingers or one. People were either waving or flipping us (laughs) off. (laughs) So that was kind of unique. So we drove this bus to Washington, D.C. to raise awareness of, of the fact we're trying to get Joe pardoned. TMZ had a film crew on the bus. We had radio and TV people in Nashville and DC. And so it's just really kind of been a crazy thing. Our hashtag is help, hashtag help free Joe. We've got a petition. Uh, last check, we've got 14,000 signatures in less than a week. I don't know. I mean, we got was, condoms. Was, was this part of the agreement with Joe? Like you have to work to, to, to get him off or, or to, I'm sorry, to, to, oh to God, get him, to get him, to get him pardoned. Was that was, Joshy put on is, is your that, earmuffs. Joshy go to, oh, <laughs> oh my goodness. Here we are. Right. So no, we're, we're doing that because Francisco is Joe's attorney. Oh, so, okay. I mean, Fran firmly believes it's like 22 years for for this. You know, there's a lot of missing stuff. I mean, you look at Netflix, like any other TV show or even this podcast, there might be a lot of stuff you cut out. So the public doesn't know. And I'm not we're here to talk about revenue streams, but just this is great. But but the public doesn't know all all this stuff. And so people ask me, like, like, Tim, do you think he's guilty? I'm like, "I, I truly don't know. I don't know. That's not what I'm doing. Do I? I I bought the rights. I 
and I'm trying to create revenue streams out of it and let the lawyers do what the lawyers do. And I'm not, I know who I believe in politically, but I'm not one of these persons that just gets obsessed or, or I hate you because you're on the other side of my political beliefs or whatever. I just, I don't think, I don't feel like there's any money in that. So I don't get all, Trump doesn't care what I'm thinking today. So I'm not going to get too worked up about what he's thinking. You know what I mean? You know, I, I joke when the Cowboys won the Super Bowl, they didn't send me a ring. So they don't really care that I root for them. You know? <laughs> so I back to what we originally talked about, like you, Inc., invest in you, invest in your revenue streams. And, you know, I always, I always say, are you trading dollars for hours? Is it a good use of your time? I like doing stuff that I spend an intense amount of energy, like drilling an oil well. And sometimes there'll be a dud and you move on and you drill the next well, but I'm going to spend an intense amount of time on something to create a a, a gusher, a, a revenue stream. And that's how I look at stuff. And this just happens to be a timely, unique, weird time and culture opportunity and I'm going to run with it until it doesn't have any legs. Yeah, you have to jump on that. And it, it's just so fun to think about this really all originated by, in your words, not inventing a stint to save people's lives, yeah. but by inventing a beer koozie yeah. to keep people's beverages cold on the golf course. It all snowballed into this through all those multiple contacts, through all the energy you put out there, yeah. through all these different entrepreneurial ventures. Here you are riding, riding the Joe Exotic Tiger King bus with TMZ. I mean, <laughs> come on, that's amazing. Amazing. So my, my wife is the classiest, sweetest fireball. She's a Southwest flight attendant that doesn't fly anymore. But just imagine that type of peppy, peppy, peppy. Sure. And, uh, and she's always says, uh, uh, stay classy, not trashy, classy, not trashy. You know, like our poor kids, if I grab one of our kids up here and go, hey, what does mom say? Uh, trashy, not classy, you know? I'm sorry, classy, not trashy. See, I can't even <laughs> say that. So, so, so I always say, and I'm sure y'all think this way too. I think some people are transactional and it's like a checker. You jump their checker, you get their checker. I like to think of being an entrepreneur is chess. It's more strategic. There's a few moves down the road. And and I don't care if I make money or like giving out rush t-shirts. You know, I don't care if I made a nickel. We'll see if something comes from it. It really doesn't matter. But but when I told my wife that I wanted to do this, she's like, oh my God. And she's like, don't tell anybody. <laughs> and I and I said, hold on. I go, you know, typically there's a few moves down the road. I said, I want to ride this time out so that our promotional products business gets larger after this is done, or I'm going to meet someone along this winding road that's going to spring me to another way, another direction. And and so so then she took a deep breath. She goes, okay, well, okay, if you're looking at it like that, you know, because she just doesn't want to be a part of a carnival. Uh, I'm more tolerant of that. And, uh, and I like to have fun. So, so let me ask you a question. So along those lines, do you think of yourself as having a personal brand? Is there something that like Tim Shiner kind of stands for? And do you work to cultivate that brand? Or is it, I'm going to do what I'm doing and I don't care what anybody thinks? Because I know personally, I, I run into this 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 issue a yeah. lot. There's a lot of things that I would probably like to do, but it kind of goes against the J. Scott brand that people think sure. about. How do, you, how do you deal with that? So- Thank you for asking. That's a really important question because uh, other than LinkedIn, I'm, a, I'm not on any social media and I, I do it all. And, I, and my son has a social media company where he third parties that for people. But the reason being is I want to focus on what I need to get done. And I know it's a great way. And, tr- and trust me on the Joe Exotic, we had 5.5 million views in 40, 48 hours. Um, so it's it's been massive. But 
you know, I own a piece of a technology company that does restoration and stuff like that. We, we, we talked about off air, but, but, you know, my guy, Evan Islam said to me, he goes, Tim, he goes, you, you someone's going to own your name, Tim Shiner. Someone's going to own it and it can be you or someone else. And so that, that was about three years ago. And I had to take a deep breath and go, okay, I'm going to own it. And that, and that kind of goes, I mean, I like promoting stuff, but there's a fine line between being a D bag <laughs> and being a promoter. And you kind of got to ride it the right way. So I decided on my personal brand that I was going to control the narrative and do podcasts, give back, talk about, you know, the sanctuary I'm trying to build in the woods, talk about my charities, you know, bring value. And, and so that's how I address it. And I, I, you know, I just try to be transparent and, and, and like on the Joe thing, is that right in my wheelhouse of classiness? No, but it is a way to sell a lot of t-shirts and it's a way to do a lot of other things. So, so that's right kind of on the edge of the plate for me, but to answer your question, I dominate, you, you Google my name, I dominate it. And then you Google images, I dominate videos, I dominate. So anyone that's trying to kind of control the narrative, go buy your domain and just dominate. But you got to keep, it's, you know, what people don't realize, you got to keep adding stuff. You got to keep adding videos. You got to keep adding all that stuff. Um, to keep it current and keep it fresh. And, and like, like perfect example, this, this podcast, this, you know, it's one of my goals is to constantly be working on my brand. And so by, by doing a podcast with y'all today, that's one more video on my website that might touch somebody and I might make, you know, a couple of new friends out of it. I love that. And for whatever it's worth, it's not just building your brand. There is so much of this in all of these shows and everything you do that are really, again, helping people, mentoring people, giving back. And we know that's a big part of who you are. Can you tell us more about your philanthropic efforts, all the other things that you do to give back? Sure. So, you know, I, I wrote a book, 50 Things They Didn't Teach You in School. And the reason being is I never graduated college. I'm a scrappy guy. I'm a street guy. I'm a street smart type of guy. And I just feel like a lot of things aren't, aren't, aren't being written about, like writing thank you notes, uh, following up. I'm a huge follow-up guy. I just view following up. My, my visual for that is like rebounding. If you watch The Last Dance, Michael or uh, uh, Rodman's job was to rebound. It's a dirty job. And that's what I view a great revenue stream creator, a great salesperson, or a great friend is following up like a maniac. I mean, I, I promise you Jay's getting a rush t-shirt come hell or high water because I was already thinking how I was going to follow up before I even started this deal. I made cards this year that said one of the great things about 2020 was meeting you. I had them printed, was ready to roll. I have a hundred of them. I hope I print more than that because I intended on meeting a hundred great people this year. So you got to be intentional. You, you got to, you got to, you, you got to follow up on that. But to, to your question, that book, all the money goes to the community storehouse, which is a food bank in Keller, Texas. But more importantly, there's a lot of food banks. They also have a dignity closet because if you're the poor person, you're probably the hungry person. And unfortunately, you, you might be the smelly person. And so, so whenever we have a party at our house, We'll crack great bottles of wine, but we ask people to bring deodorant, personal hygiene products. So that way you don't have the opulence of great food, great wine. You have the humility of bringing something there. And if you, you know, I've got friends from all walks of life. And if you can afford a bar of soap, come on in. If you can afford a case, come on in, you know. So that's the first book. And then uh, Bigger Pockets, I was in the foyer meeting with uh, Mindy in Denver because 
secretly because I was trying to sell them T-shirts after I did my podcast, <laughs> um, which didn't happen. They, they, they sold me on no. I didn't sell them on yes, apparently. <laughs> so so anyway, I was sitting in the foyer. I'm like, how did all this happen? You know, and, and Kiyosaki's books were great. And when I ran out of Kiyosaki's book, I uh, read Kim, his wife's book, and I realized, oh, my God, a, a, a female thinks about this investing in an entirely different different way than a guy does. And I'm like, oh man. So I decided, because so many people, they probably come up to you too and go, okay, uh, you know, hey Tim, I'm on board, but my wife's not. Or a wife goes, hey, my husband, he doesn't want to fix a leaky toilet. So you get all this back and forth where the couple isn't unified on the mission of owning rental properties. So Chris and I wrote a book where guy perspective, girl's perspective, guy perspective, girl's perspective. And it's my wife love slash hates rental properties, and 100% of that money goes to uh, Safe Haven, Safe Haven, which is the woman's shelter in Fort Worth, Texas. So I'm one of these guys that if I if I wrote a book, um, hopefully it'll help you, but I sure as heck don't want to make a nickel off of it. I would much rather that money flow through me to the charities to help other people. It's just, you know, keeps on going down the line. I, I keep thinking that maybe I'm blessed because... I'm not a dead end street, that I'm a flow through entity, that if it comes into my life, I'm gonna try to get it get it on down the line. And the final thing I'll say is, you know, don't take yourself too serious. There's someone richer or poor. Everything that you have, you can't leave the planet with it. And if you happen to be on the ladder of life and there's someone a rung below you, help pull them up. And hopefully someone a rung above you will help pull you up. And, you know, just don't get too crazy about it. I absolutely awesome. love that message. And that was said absolutely perfectly. Okay, so before we jump into the last segment of the show, the four more segment of the show, I just want to ask, is there anything else in the works that you want to talk about or anything we should be following up with you? Or are you basically full speed ahead on the on the Joe Exotic right now? No, I mean, nothing will ever be 100% because that's just not how an ADD person operates. You got to have a new shiny thing all the time, right? So a couple things that are kind of cool. One is uh, I help raise money and... and uh, and we just got bought out by ADT. Uh, it got announced a couple of weeks ago. Congrats. Of this pro- Congratulations. Thanks. This is a neat deal. Uh, I can kind of talk generically in the terms. But basically, we got a chunk of money. And the investors basically got four times their money. But then we also got a chunk of stock options individually that we have 10 years to exercise. And then we also have a rev share twice a year for a decade. And so my part of it was I wanted to sell to a publicly traded company because I wanted you know, yes, I wanted the money. Yes, I wanted the rev share, but I also wanted, you know, the the triple play of getting the stock options too. So that worked out really good. But what's neat about this product is when 3G goes away, you know, Carol and you can go to Verizon or AT&T, take your phone in and, and upgrade and you're ready to roll. But your alarm panel, your ATM machine, it can't. So you got to roll a truck. So let's pick on ADT. You got to roll a truck to all the existing accounts that are already paying you that think they shouldn't have to pay for an upgrade because they've been paying you 40 bucks a month or whatever it is already. So instead of selling a new alarm system, creating new revenue, you're working on yesterday's challenges for a long, long time because you have so many of them and scheduling and are you home and appointments and on and on and on. So what my buddy Mike Lamb invented and then I got the the biggest owners of alarm companies in America to pitch in money because being an opportunist, I knew that they were my customers and I knew that they would buy the product if they had their money invested in it. And I also knew that they had to go back to their private equity people and explain what they're doing with this wave of 3G going away. How are they addressing it? So it gave them the answer to go back to their money people and also gave them a solution. So what we came up with is a thing called cell bounce, like a cell 
and bouncing like a bouncing ball. And what cell bounce does is a mail out piece that tricks your alarm panel so it thinks it's talking 3G to the nearest tower, which is our cell bounce module that's plugged in, looks like a Glade plugin. And then when 3G goes down, it up converts it to LTE, LTE, 4G, and 5G. So your panel is still talking to the 3G tower and, and our device up converts it. And that is a huge huge thing that that we just did so that was a fun deal i didn't invent it but i realized the opportunity and i and i was instrumental in getting smart money into the deal i i love that and i love the fact we didn't talk much about um your patents but you also have several patents um yeah. you, you're you're an inventor so again we didn't talk much about that but it's just uh, so multifaceted well, I'm gonna give you. I know we gotta wrap up. But I'm gonna give you a couple of things real yeah, quick. Yeah, absolutely. I, I invented a gun lock that ties into your alarm system. So, whether you're pro gun or anti gun, everyone agrees that if a little kid's playing with one, we need to know about it. And so, basically, it's a little trigger lock with a combo code, but it's got a tilt sensor in it. So, if your gun moves, um, you're gonna be texted or called, uh, emailed, uh, alerted that your gun is moving while you're at work and and your gun's at home. So that's kind of cool. Then I created a thing called Water Knuckles. So we had three people for various reasons that had to move out of their house because they had water damage. One, an air conditioner guy cut the line and it flooded. Uh, two others had leaks and 28% of all insurance claims are water related. And so my wife, because you know anyone that has a bunch of rent houses know that big T thing that you got in the back of your car that's so big that you, you never seem to have it when you need water it. Water key. Well, exactly, exactly. So, uh, so Crystal, uh, we call them the Real Housewives of Westlake, this little area we live in, put bows on these tees and drop them off on the porch of all her, her real, awesome. real Housewives of Westlake because they, these ladies have no clue what this thing is, you know, and their husbands are probably like me. They're not very handy. So so we did that. So I'm sitting there staring at it in my office, you know, day after day, day after day. I'm like, why does this thing have to be so big? What do you really need on it? You know, kind of back to if it's rigged, why is it? And then all of a sudden I realized you just need leverage. You need leverage, you need this special little U thing uh, that goes on the on the on the valve. And so then I'm thinking, every kid, I know, I, I mean, I wanted brass knuckles so bad when I was a little boy. I don't know why, but I wanted some. And so I came up with a thing called water knuckles, which is basically a little brass knuckles with a short throw that can fit in your your valve box uh, or a handy guy can actually keep in his tool belt and so water knuckles. So I'm looking to I'm looking to license that to a tool company or Home Depot or Lowe's. And I just got a utility and a design patent on it. But I'll tell you that one other thing I'm tempted to do. I'm tempted to go on Shark Tank and go one dollar contingent on licensing agreement and we own it 50-50 because everyone else goes on Shark Tank and wants to haggle over a billionaire totally. for three percent. And I know this isn't gonna be my last last invention. And what I consider success in life is who's willing to return your phone call. Yep. So if Mark Cuban's willing to return my phone call because I did something for a buck that was a rev share 50-50, that's priceless. So so that's that's my angle. I'm, I'm, I've threatened to go on Shark Tank and offer it for a dollar. And then the cool thing that I got that I'm dying to license is in the security industry, everybody wants a ring doorbell, but your doorbell is different from where my doorbell is. And the tough thing is it's the number one go back because connectivity to, to your Wi-Fi, your Wi-Fi gets a little bit bad and the, the doorbell drops off. They blame the alarm company. Now they're all upset. And the other thing people want is a Z-Wave lock. They want a, a, a deadbolt lock that they can remotely open to let, the, let somebody in their house. So what I did is I call it 
when you're inventing, there's two things you can do. You can make a unicorn, something that's never been there, like the water knuckle, or you can make a Reese's peanut butter cup. And that's when you combine two things and make something new. And that's my analogy for when I'm, I'm like, is this a unicorn or a peanut butter cup? So what I combined was uh, a ring doorbell style doorbell with a Z-Wave lock all together because your deadbolt is at the same height as my deadbolt. So it's consistent, but more importantly, the camera guts, the ring camera guts, are already inside the house, so the connectivity to the wireless is is easier. Plus, you're hanging one device instead of two devices. And so I want to license that to Yale or Ring. I'm in the process of uh, communicating with both of them. And that's an example of I'm better off dropping it in someone else's funnel than going it alone. So that's the next thing I look at. Like on the gun lock, I dropped it into an alarm panel funnel. So then you got to ask yourself, am I better off forging, you know, like William and Clark, or am I better off dropping it out someone else's funnel and letting it come out faster to the masses? So those are a couple cool inventions that uh, that I got going on. Wow. So Everybody's cool. always asking Carol and me where we find the time, but I, I want to ask you where you find the time. Just crazy. Love it. Love it. Okay. Well, this is the part in the show where we do our final segment that we call the four more, where we're going to ask you the same four questions that we ask all of our guests. And then we're going to give you an opportunity to tell our listeners a little bit more about where they can find out about you and the stuff you're doing. Sound good? Yep. Okay. Uh, I am going to start question number one. So what was your very first or your very worst job? And what did you take from it that you're still using today? That's funny how you ask that because I always ask people what's the best and worst thing about what they're doing. And it tells me if they're an, uh, a pessimist or an, or an op- optimist. And if they start out, well, well the negative, I'm like, oh boy. But it, but to me, it's a little read option. Am I going to run or pass with this person? So I use that as a test question. So my first job, I lied about my age and I was a busboy in an Italian restaurant in a suburb of Chicago. And what I loved about it is there was this, you know, this is, you know, uh, let me think, 70s, you know, mid-70s, uh, maybe a little bit later, 70s. And there was this girl that drove this VW thing, just this little hippie girl. And she goes, Tim, you might not totally suck in life. And I'm like, well, thank you for that. And so she taught me how to set a table. She taught me that if you're going to the kitchen, have something in your hands or, or the, the, the back of the house, have something in your hand. And if you're, if you're walking out, have something in your hands. So if you're walking out, have a water pitcher or some bread because there's going to be a table that needs it. And when you're walking back, pre-bus, whether it's your session or not, you know, grab a glass, grab a plate, grab a whatever. So that was a really important lesson. But what it also taught me is the harder I hustle, the more money I make. So in, in my 50 Things book, I'd like people get in a job where it's not just hourly, get in a job that's going to compensate you for hustling. So it was really instrumental in my life that I started my life in an industry where I could earn tips. And to me, sales is kind of like the same thing. I'm earning tips. I'm making commissions about uh, uh, because I'm adding more value, more hustle than anybody else. So I would suggest any young listener, go get a job in a restaurant where you make tips or get a sales job. Awesome. Excellent. Okay, my question is going to be almost piggybacking on that, but maybe a, a bit of a different direction. If you had one piece of advice for a small business owner who's just starting out, maybe they're not the youngest person in the world, maybe they've been around the block a little bit, but they are just starting out their business. What is an excellent piece of advice that you can share with them so maybe they won't have to learn it the hard way? One of my favorite words uh, is leverage. I love that word. 
because leverage is, is you do one thing and you can do a lot more. Kind of like owning a property, a rental, you put 20% down, the bank owns 80, but you own 100% of this property because of the 20% down. So as a, as a young business owner, I would look for anything where I could leverage. If I'm having an event, invite 20 people instead of one person. If anything you're doing, try to do exponentially because otherwise it's gonna take a long, long time. Like. Can you imagine someone having to try to save a million dollars, how long that would take versus if you could leverage up something? So I, I would say leverage, if I had to give a single answer, look for leverage in everything, whether it's social media, whether it's gatherings, whether anything you can do, you need to do exponentially and do it bigger uh, and, and, and kind of a little 1A, don't be bashful. I mean, you gotta let people know where you're at. That's awesome. I was actually writing awesome. about that on social media this morning. Everybody thinks about leverage when it comes to money, but there are mm -hmm. so many other things in this world that we can leverage. Love it. Okay. Yeah. Um, as an entrepreneur, I'm guessing you do at least a little bit of reading. Um, oh, yeah. What's what's your favorite book out there? What should we be reading? Uh, so, so here's what happens. When I get a book, like it's like I have a buddy. And then when the buddy goes away, I really kind of get like depressed for a little while. But it's like I, I lost a friend. Man, it's so hard for me to pick one, but I think the one I'm going to pick is I, I love collecting older people. I love older. I, you know what? I love older people and younger people. People, people are kind of in the middle. I really because they're kind of already <laughs> doing what they're doing. I really can't influence them too much. I can learn a lot from old people, and I can help a lot of young people. So I got a guy named Jay Rogers, R O D G E R S, and his book has entrepreneur is entrepreneur endeavors. And what I love about it, it's a lot like my book with 50 things, there's 50 quick chapters. I think he's got about 54 stories of different business things he did. And what I think it's great for, if you're starting out entrepreneur, his book's probably not for you. But if you've you already done some things wrong and right, it's, it's great because all he does is tell stories, you know, story after story after story. And I just love it. It's just more like a, a PhD or a doctorate in entrepreneurship. So it's what, if, it's just there aren't that many books that avoid the blocking and tackling and get to some great stories. And that's what his book did. And as a follow up on that, when I talk about being intentional and over the top. So Jay's hero is, oh, shoot, who's the famous cowboy? John Wayne. Jay's, Jay's hero is John Wayne. So I marked up Jay's book. I had a bunch of questions, a mutual friend. Jay lives down here. And so when I went to go meet Jay, Jay loves drinking good wine. He likes Camus. So when I went to go meet Jay, I ordered off of eBay a, a, a John Wayne signed letter from 1973 where he was giving his likeness up for 10% of the royalty, of, of the revenue. And there aren't that many John Wayne business-related memorabilia. So I had that. I had a, a magnum of Opus wine. Uh, I had a $5,000 check for his charity biz owner's ad. And I had my smoking hot, looking way younger than she is wife. And I showed up and he thought he was going to, uh, visit with like a 23 year old kid because the guy that introduced me was interning for someone. He's always dragging these knuckleheads in. And instead he had wine, money, John Wayne, <laughs> and a pretty girl to look at. And Jay and I've been fast friends since then. And so I just love his book. He's, he's just a great guy. That's absolutely that awesome. Excellent. I have to be an intentional. It, can, I, can I throw so just something somebody mentioned about you, somebody that I love and I want to throw out there. Is it true that you like will walk around with lottery tickets in your pocket and just hand them to people? 
So for anybody, oh, anybody fantastic. that's not watching this on uh, on YouTube, <laughs> Tim just pulled out a long stream <laughs> of lottery tickets. So here's here's what sucks. This I've been doing this every single day of my life since 1991. Well, now the coronavirus. People are scared to take anything from anyone. You know what I mean? Oh, my God. Who are you you handing these to? Just strangers or or service people? Service people. Anyway, I encourage everyone. I mean, like if you're going through a drive-thru, you're like, like if someone wipes down your drink, you're like, man, your attention to detail is amazing. You're going somewhere. Here you go. You give somebody a buck, awesome. it feels weird. You give them a lottery ticket. And then this is a bad thing if my wife listens to it. But when I was single a long time ago, I... I always talk about the read option. I was like trying to figure out which way to go. Back in the day, we couldn't Google someone. If someone had a fancy watch or if they had a digital watch, I knew whether to talk, you know, high level or detailed just off of that. I'm always looking for a way to read a situation. So hypothetically, I might've been in a bar a lot. And hypothetically, I might've gone up to girls a lot and I would give them a lottery ticket and you could find out everything about them by giving them a lottery <laughs> ticket. If they go, oh my God, if 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 I win, I'll, I'll give you half. Then you start talking about humani- Habitat for Humanity and, and charity work. But if they, if they go, if they go, now, if I win, I don't have to give you anything. Then it's Rolex, Lamborghini. I mean, you knew exactly where to go just upon how they answered that that one question. It's people don't realize what their information they're getting. When they, when, off. When, when they take the ticket and say, "Okay, you're gonna buy me a drink now." Yeah, take her. Phenomenal. Take her, take her, take her. You know, but uh, but uh, I'll, I'll I'll split half. Then you're like, "This girl's a good girl." <laughs> Okay, here is my fourth and favorite question. Um, What is something that you have splurged on along the way at home or in one of your businesses that was totally worth it? I do this all the time because I'm one of these guys that like, okay, I wanted a Lamborghini, but I had to make sure I had 10 houses. I had to make sure my rent firm was doing a million in commission and my promo business was doing uh, 500,000 in sales. That was a long time ago. And because of that, I, I did all that and I was turning 40 years old. And so I was like, okay, I get to go get the Lamborghini. And and I almost didn't do it. And I'm like, just because I'm, I'm a guy that buys used cars, I'm practical. I always say that I'm extravagantly practical and, and, and I just almost didn't do it. But here's what, here's why you got to do it. Because if the sales manager inside of my head promised me a Lamborghini, if I bought 10 houses that would set me up for life and and did the right thing on my business. If that sales manager told me I was going to get a Lamborghini, if he doesn't deliver, then everything else he's promising me, he's full of it. And so I'm a huge fan of set a goal, then reward yourself. Set a goal, then reward yourself. I've got, I mentioned him before, but Josh Randall, his his wife is wonderful, but she's living in the day-to-day of their 100 properties and doesn't see the long-term debt reduction and the fact that their family is going to be set for generations. So I go to Josh. I said, Josh, would you spend five grand more for pretty much every house you're buying? He goes, yeah. I said, then you need to build that in and you need to take your family on a vacation every time you buy a house so that it doesn't become a negative thing that you're buying houses. It's, oh, yay, dad bought a house. We get to go uh, to Florida. So I think it's super important to build in rewards into your, your deal. We opened up a six liter bottle of Silver Oak and invited uh, three friends over, socially distant, three couple friends, socially distant, when uh, when ADT a- acquired us a couple Fridays ago. And I'm like, you've got to celebrate it, or otherwise you're just add another X amount of money in your bank account, and you're just on a treadmill. So uh, I'd say shoot off the fireworks, buy the car, drink the wine after you've achieved what 
what you're supposed to do. <laughs> I love it. And it's just so funny because uh, what, what, what kind of, what bottle would we open Carol? 2013 silver oak all day long. Absolutely. So, that's funny. Yeah. That's for just, yeah. Oh yeah. That was our wedding wine. So yeah. <laughs> that's so funny because we had a, a, a humongous, the biggest they make. And that's what we uh, drank uh, on our, our wedding. It's so funny, Jay, because I am adopted. So maybe you're a brother from another mother or something. I don't know. It could be, it could be. Wow. I, I, I could keep asking questions all Uncanny. day. Uncanny. <laughs> okay. Tim, I'm going to give you the opportunity now to tell our listeners where they can find out more about you, if they want to learn about Tim, if they want to learn about the stuff Tim is doing, or if they want to get in touch with you, how can they How can they do that? Sure. I, I assure you, 98% of the time, I'll, I'll return a text, a phone call, email. I mean, unless someone's just kind of don't be a taker. Be a giver. Yeah, don't yeah. be a taker. Don't be restraining order worthy. Right. I'll return. I'll return your info. But here's the deal. It's just a Tim Shiner, like a black eye or the beer. TimShiner.com. And I got some free stuff on there, like 25 Habits of a Future Millionaire is a poster that you can download for free. I love that for young people. It's just basically the 50 things books uh condensed. Um, all my stuff is there. Um, you know, you know, the books. I mean, I'm pretty I mean, you just kind of kind of hear the same thing over and over. I mean, it's just pretty much consistently try to help people and try to create revenue streams, uh, leverage things, follow up. Um, but all of that's on timshiner.com. Like I said, I'm not on Facebook. Uh, I'm, I am on LinkedIn. And if I can help you with anything, you know, I, you know, like I said, if I'm a, a rung above you and if I can help pull you up, I just created this other thing that'll be on my website. It's called a millionaire tree. And it's got the name of, Anyone can print print it off, but but I, I've got names of people that I've helped become millionaires. So it has their name, has the date when they became a millionaire, and if they think that I contributed, then I have them sign it. And so that's the thing uh, going into the silver hair years of my life that that I'll be the most proud of is how many millionaires I've helped create. I love it. And for anybody that wants to hear Tim's bigger pocket real estate episode, because we didn't talk about it here, we don't talk a lot about real estate on the show, uh, but you've got an amazing real estate story as well. Check out Bigger Pockets Real Estate. I think it was uh, Brandon Turner and Mindy who who yeah. hosted that one, episode 221. So go back and listen to that one. Tim, this was amazing. We could talk. I, I Honestly, I could talk for hours more, but I know you are busy negotiating some cool tiger King deals right <laughs> exactly. now. So we're going to let you go, but thank you so much for joining us. Oh, and, and we look I, forward I appreciate to having both of y'all. Yeah. We want to have you back next year and hear about all the new and fun stuff you're doing. Thank you for sharing. And thank you for your expertise. No, I, thank I you appreciate so much. you guys. Hey, send me your address and there'll be a Neil Pert t-shirt for one of you <laughs> because <laughs> I can tell the other one doesn't like rush. So, just like my household. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know too many women that like rush. They don't. It's women repellent. If you've been to a, if I'm sure you've been to a Rush concert, there are literally zero women. Yeah, it, it, everyone looks like they could fix your computer. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right, guys. Cool. Thanks. Thanks Have a great Tim. weekend. Thank you so much, Tim. Have a good one. See you guys. That was such a fun episode, and I know I've said this about other people before, but I think Tim and I are kind of like soulmates. We kind of had the same philosophy on business. We like the same wine. We like the same cars, even though I don't have one of those. I he just <laughs> yeah he he kind of does everything I want to do, but he's so much better at it. Oh, he was just phenomenal, and I love 
the fact that he refers to himself as this professional opportunist. And even more importantly for me, I specifically love the fact that just giving back and being a philanthropist and teaching others and helping others is at the core of his being. Like that is so massively important and speaks so much to his character. So thank you, Tim, for just an amazing episode. We all learned so much and we wish you just so much success in all of your upcoming ventures. Yeah, absolutely. And I hopefully he'll come back next year or in a few months because I, I don't know about you, but I, I think there were so many more things we could have talked about that we never touched on because we kind of wanted to jump to the Tiger King stuff. But uh, but yeah, he, he's he got a lot of really cool stuff going on. Agreed. Let's wrap so, this up, baby. Let's yeah, do let's, it. Let's wrap it up, everybody. Have a, a great week. Happy Memorial Day. If uh, you're listening to this the day after Memorial Day, I hope you had a good weekend and uh, everybody stay safe, stay healthy. We'll talk to you soon. She's Carol. I'm Jay. Go plant some seeds and see what grows today. Ha, that was a good one, huh? That was good. Yeah, I like that. (laughs) Have a great week, everybody. (laughs) Thanks, everybody. See you soon. Bye.